Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Hello. Yo, Good yo. morning. How's it going? Good, man. Good. It's nice outside. Nice. I'm yeah. letting you control the sounds for right now. It's pretty good, except like you put intro at the bottom right. That's not where I'm looking for like a beginning thing. Yeah. I'd look top left. Cool. If it's in English. If it was in Hebrew, I'd look top right. All right. You can <laughs> so, definitely load all of them and edit them <laughs> if you want to do that. So, just saying. It's a little. I had like, a little reflection this morning. I was understand. driving into work and I was thinking, you know, when. So Nikki. My wife, she, I know you know who it is. I'm telling my, <laughs> the listeners. You know, uh-huh. she was the one who pitched the mass idea, saying you should do a series, which got a lot of good feedback. People yeah. have enjoyed it. And I, in my head, I was thinking, okay, what's that going to be? Hold two episodes. And now we, we haven't even made it to the, we just started the liturgy of the Eucharist and we already have four, four episodes. So this is episode five. <laughs> yes. Nice. I mean, this is going to be longer than the Star Wars. Epic. <laughs> so if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. <laughs> that way, That's I our unofficial so. motto. We'll see what, we'll see what we can get through today. If I go home and she says, did you get through the liturgy of the Eucharist? And I say, uh, we only got through one line. She's going to be like, um, I'm unsubscribing. So, um, so we've gone through the mass from the beginning. Check out the series, um, part one, two, three, and four. And then today we start talking about the liturgy of the Eucharist. So we've just asked people. We said, um, give me your money. We yeah. prepared the altar. Right. Um, or we started Sit to prepare. Down. Yeah. And, uh, now we have the liturgy of the Eucharist. So, I mean, this, not that, you know, I studied theology, but this is really your expertise here. Oh, well. Even though you're the Bible guy, this is what you get to do. This is what I get to do. You get to consecrate the Eucharist. So I'll let you yeah. uh, kind of take the floor. Take so the what reins. do you got? Yeah. Oh, that didn't work at all. So royal oh. trumpet doesn't play any sound, huh? Royal trumpet. I was expecting some. But da, 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 da. Uh, it should. I'll work on it. All while right. You anyway. Do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So actually, <laughs> but I before we begin the Lord of the Eucharist proper, I want to talk about um the fact that we just sat down, uh, because like the the postures do have some meaning. Um. Got sometimes it. we can, we can be like, all right, I'm sitting down. They're doing stuff up there, but... Hit it again. Yes. <laughs> the sound was off <laughs> over here. Okay. Um, so it's like, all right, sitting down. I'm just going to zone out for a minute um, mm. while they're doing their thing, preparing oh, yeah. the altar, and it's just like totally disconnected from me entirely. But um, uh, a friend of mine actually gave a really... I thought just like simple and helpful kind of analysis of the postures at mass, um, which I think is, is worth saying. So like, like he was saying that, you know, when you're standing, um, 
you are praying. That's what you do. You know, when we pray the Our Father, we stand up. Uh, when we're praying the Gloria, you can also sort of like praying and praising. Right. It's kind of a thing you do when you're standing. When you're sitting, you are reflecting or preparing for. And so like already when you sit at the offertory after mm. the creed and after the intercessions, and we're like, give give us your money. Right. Um, you're supposed to prepare internally for what's going on and reflect on what just happened. Yeah. Uh, and not just zone out. And then kneeling is a posture of adoration. We fall down on our knees. I mean, that's why we sit in school. Like we're preparing, we're yeah, studying, learning. we're learning. Yeah. Right. So no, that's exactly I right. mean, yeah, exactly. We don't stand up and be like, I'm ready to learn now. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just it, that that makes sense. That's a, that's a good analogy of yeah. those things because we often get made, you know, people love being like, we're Catholics. We have the calisthenics. Yeah, during the Catholic mass. calisthenics. Like, All right. Yeah. Heard that one. So, but very true, those different aspects. Yeah. Just, just like there's so many subtle details and stuff, and that's why it's taking us, you know, longer than expected to go through all these things. Um, something that's simple has so much kind of uh, meaning charged into it. Um, also, just like the simple postures that we have. And remembering things like that can actually really help, like, refocus you mm-hmm. when you get distracted at Mass. Because everybody gets distracted. That's normal. Right. The key is, like, wanting to refocus and not just indulging in the distraction because you're like, why am I even here? Especially if you have kids. Yeah. You're kind of distracted and you also are like, why am I even here? <laughs> And then even afterwards, you're like, why, why, <laughs> why am, am I, I even here? Why am I Just on every, this earth? Every moment of every day, waking or sleeping. I'll ask my wife, you know, having a newborn, how'd you sleep last night? And she's like, ah, I don't know. It all blurs together. Ever since the first day she was born, it's just, yeah. So, all right. So, okay. So the offertory, that's the next piece. Mm-hmm. Um, in normal times, on a Sunday, anyway, there would be an offertory procession. That's kind of a thing. Uh, it's a nice thing. It really does symbolize like what we were supposed to. Okay, so if you're sitting and you're supposed to be reflecting and preparing, like what are you preparing for? You're preparing to offer yourself in union with with the sacrifice on the altar um, to join your own sacrifice to that of Jesus Christ. Like that's what you do at mass. Right. That's what a priest does. He offers sacrifice. Um, and Jesus Christ as the high priest offers himself as sacrifice. And so us being patterned after him, we do the same thing. Um, and so, uh, so like we're preparing that for that in the offertory. And one of the things that the offertory procession would symbolize is us offering our gifts. Um, and for those who don't know the procession of the bread, yeah, the bread and the, wine. and the wine. Sometimes a purificator or a basket. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Some. Um, but it symbolizes gifts. And like I have friends who, I'm not saying we should do this, but I have friends who have done mission mission trips when we were in Rome. They went down to Tanzania. Um, and like the procession was quite long and it would involve like live chickens and stuff. Like people would really be... <laughs> laying their gifts down at the foot of the altar um i don't know how that works with the chickens like you got to take them somewhere after that like it still is symbolic right but um 
Yeah, I mean, is this also symbolic, though, of the gesture that the Holy Family made with offering, um, you know, the the pigeons, um, doves, you know, or yeah. is that yeah, tied in or no? That's a, it is tied in. It's more like the Magi okay. uh, on Epiphany coming to the Holy Family and opening up their treasures right. and, and laying those gifts at the feet of the infant Jesus. But like the Holy Family in the temple, that's the Lord entering into the temple in the flesh for the first time. Got it. And the offering that they make is uh, tied back to the Passover and the redemption of the firstborn mm-hmm. um, and that kind of stuff. Now I have heard it said, I'm the one derailing us today and causing our podcast to be longer. So that's fine. But um, I, I was trying to look yes. it up as we were sitting here. <laughs> I, I thought it was St. Teresa of Avila. Maybe it's St. Therese of Lisieux. Maybe it's somebody else. St. Catherine of Siena. <laughs> one of those important ones. I thought I remembered reading a beautiful reflection one time that said, um, you know, as the gifts are, are brought up, so too, like we should also offer up our intentions and sacrifice during that time. And that kind of like, there's this idea of, um, the, there is some also reflection of if you could only be able to see, kind of your guardian angels over you, like with like offering those gifts, like it would be the most, have you heard this reflection kind of ish? Yeah. It sounds more like, um, think Gertrude the great kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but (laughs) sure. Yeah. I mean, I love that prayer. Yeah. Um, the prayer to release a thousand souls from purgatory. Maybe we can talk about that sometime. We'll do a series on purgatory. Yeah. It'll um, be twenty parts. Uh, okay, we're not going to do a series on purgatory, <laughs> but uh, it's it's also yeah. like like uh, Romans twelve, verse one. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, was good, acceptable, and perfect. Like that idea of offering your body as a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. like. That's, you know, he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's a strong spiritual component to it. But even like the posture is that Matt, like, like kneeling down, right? right? Uh, is the body and soul thing offering our bodies as a living sacrifice in right. union with uh, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ yeah. on the altar. Um, okay. So uh, we do After the procession comes which up. we haven't been doing because of COVID. Yeah, we right. don't do it because of COVID because more people have to touch stuff, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's still the same thing. You see the gifts up there on the altar, and you're like, "All right, I, now is the time for me to place myself and all my cares and all those whom I care about, right? Um, and those who I don't care about as well. Like, <laughs> I should put all of them up there." That's and, a good one. And to think about Jesus' words of like when you bring your sacrifice to the altar, like first go and make sure that you're reconciled I with your brother. brother. Like that this isn't this isn't just a, a casual everyday thing. Like this is approaching the altar of God and, right. and we have to that's why we go through so much preparation right. at the beginning of Mass. Um so then the priest or the acolyte or the deacon or whoever's there. Um, whoever it falls to will prepare the altar, putting the the different sacred vessels. They all have they all have fun names. So like the it's sort of like a plate that you put the host on, 
The mm-hmm. host is the bread. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, that little plate is called a paten. Uh, the cup is called a chalice. Um, and it's important that we try and use these words as much as we can mm-hmm. because it it distinguishes. It's it's another another sort of clear marker to us of distinguishing that this is something different. Yeah, the ordinary to the extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah the sacred to the profane or yeah. the secular. Um, and so, uh, the, wait, is a, could a lay person do this or no? They have to be to um, set up the altar to just set yes. it up. Okay, yeah. So um, all else fails, you know, altar servers just there and they're yeah. like, yeah, they they could bring all those things up. Were most, you an altar server growing up? Uh, I was and I kind of liked it, but I was also like just totally disconnected from what was actually yeah, happening. Yeah. I just sort of liked the feel of it or something. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Me and my brothers were. It was it was cool sometimes. Yeah. Unless you had like the 7 a.m. mass on Sunday and you're like. Kneeling, you, you know what there, I mean. There just wasn't enough for me to do, which I think is a telling thing. Mm. Like I've I've been reflecting on this for years now, actually. So like, um, since I was a seminarian here, and I saw what y'all did for the passion play with the teens. Oh yeah, like y'all set a really high bar. Like it's not just hey everybody, let's get together and do this thing. Like you practice a lot, and it really calls something out of those teens mm-hmm. uh, and calls them like towards a sort of excellence. Yeah. And that engages them in a, like that's, that's a huge difference from like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's all going to be fine. Like yeah. everyone's a, a winner kind of thing. Not, <laughs> not to go too far down that <laughs> right. road, but like <laughs> there's not, there's not like winners and losers for the right. passion play. But when we treat serving like that yeah. for kids um, that like, you actually have extremely important jobs and, and like there are many different things that you need to do and you need to be precise in fulfilling those things. Um, it really calls something out of them. Um, and it's just better all around. And I didn't have that when I was an altar server, right? It was more like just sit over here and like ring the bell or something. Like, it's okay if you forget, like (laughs) over here and ring the bell, like, and even, you know, how you dress and stuff. Like, yeah. Like it's, yeah. Altar serving is a whole, whole other thing. So, uh, Lear to the Eucharist, you have the different vessels, mm-hmm. the, just to go through the names of the vessels real quick, like the sort of bowl container that the different, that a lot of hosts are in. That's called a ciborium and in plural ciboria. Very nice. Nice. Um, the, glass containers that have water and wine that you pour into the chalice those are called cruets nice the dish that you pour water into when the priest washes his hands is called a oh <laughs> uh, yeah i didn't think you know. oh a lavabo bowl yeah now it's called a that, we learned this that's a weird point, one but yeah that's, that's a weird one because like Lavabo means I will wash in Latin. It's the first line of the thing that the priest says, um, or at least traditionally it was. And Got it. Anyway, um, so we still call it a lavabo bowl. Uh, the hand towel is called a hand towel. Hand um, <laughs> I was like, I've never heard a yeah. hand towel. There actually is a special hand towel that you use for wiping off the sacred chrism from your hands when you're ordained. 
Oh, that's right. The one that traditionally is wrapped around your mother's hands when exactly. she's buried um, that she gave her son as a priest. So yeah. it's like a get into heaven free card. That's right? exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> your mom can just live her life in whatever sin she wants. My mom has to, on her own merits, get to heaven. So Because yeah. that's yeah. How, how it works. It's yeah, on her a, own merits. Yes, sure. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We're joking, um, everyone. We're exactly, joking. Exactly. It's only by the grace of Christ. Yeah. But that's called a manaturgium. In, in Latin, manu is hand, and turgium is something that dries. So mm-hmm. it's just a hand dryer, hand towel. Right. Um, so it's kind of funny. Like sometimes these things have special names, but that special name is just the Latin equivalent of like the super basic name mm-hmm. <laughs> that we use. So anyway, you have all that stuff. You put it on the altar. And as you're preparing the altar, this is something proper to the deacon. But if the deacon's not there, the priest has to do it. You pour wine into the chalice. And then you pour a drop of water. I was like a little, just a little little drop. drop. And you don't pour very much, right? Because you you could dilute it and and cause it not to be wine. And if it's not wine, you can't use it for the Eucharist. It's invalid. It has to be wine. It has to be grape wine with no additives, actually. Mm. Um, Like sulfites to preserve it are fine. I'm not really sure what sulfites are when you get down to it. But like... It can't be rice wine. It can't be um, other types of wine. Right. Um, it has to be grape wine. Um, and the bread has to be wheat bread. It can't be rice cakes or something like that. Right. And that's because, like, this is the stuff that, like, was available in the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, Christ, when he's offering the Last Supper, and the apostles, when they're celebrating the first Eucharist, um, in the early church and stuff like that's what they're using. And the church has declared very definitively that it's not just a matter of like, we have to keep using this because they did, but like, this is the only valid matter for the Eucharist. Mm. Um, And that's why, that's why there's no such thing as a true gluten free host, right? Right. It has it's a to low, have some gluten. It's a low gluten host. Yeah. Um it's 0.001% or something. I, I see it on the the box, but Right, but the it it causes yeah. some strain sometimes cuz I know a lot of people that have, you know, very very severe gluten allergies mm-hmm. and you can probably if you just google find gluten free hosts or go to certain stores and yes. find gluten free no, hosts and you can't I mean, that's not valid matter. It's a, it's a low glue. There's certain ones. So right. definitely check with your priest yeah. if, if so that's, that is an that's, issue. That's actually the reason why it's St. Anne. Like, we provide the low gluten host. So and that it's valid. Yeah, so it's valid because I know other places where, you know, after quite some time, someone found out that through no fault of their own, they had been bringing their own host and putting it up on the altar before Mass and the priest would consecrate and it was a gluten-free host, and that's not allowed. It's yeah, invalid matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we talked in our sort of like Byzantine, um, Rogel the priest and me episode. Yeah, about one difference with the East, which is that they use leavened bread. We use unleavened right. bread. Um, yeah, can we change that? Let's go for that. Just go for the leavened bread. It's it just seems cool. I guess. Right, like it seems like <laughs> here it is. Right? You know, it sometimes... Does, it does look like bread. Like, there's something there, right? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not being serious, but I... I, I like the unleavened bread. Yeah. But, like, it's cool that they do that. Yeah. <laughs> I... Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah. Okay. Both good. Um, the unleavened bread gives gives us a thought of like the manna, uh, not the manna. Sorry. Um, like preparing for the Passover. Mm-hmm. Um, this connection with the Exodus and the Passover and all that. Um, because they're commanded to use unleavened bread. Right. Um, to remember how they had to leave in haste. Right. Basically. And there wasn't time for the bread to rise. So right. So that's that's kind of our theological connection is back. Now is there another symbol, because I, I derailed of the drop of water. That's where we yeah. were at. So you can't dilute too much and that's where we went down that. But is it a is it a symbol like what is Yeah, why? what's the point? What's the point? Well, so there's a secret prayer. Secret meaning quietly said, not secret meaning secret, no one can Secret, only the priest Sorry. knows. This is, this is another like, this is like church speak. Yeah. Because secret in Latin just means something that is like, well, hidden. But <laughs> but it, it doesn't have the full context. I was like, wait, like, does it mean the same thing? <laughs> like, like the Vatican's secret archives, right? Those are something which are not open to the public, but it doesn't mean that they're full of like state secrets that no one yeah. can know about. It just means that they're not normally open to the public. But I right. have friends who, for research, have gone in there. Um, and Haven't you gone in? I've done so. I went to the Vatican Library to Ooh. the manuscript room. Which is secret. No, not really. Oh. Like you need a library card to go in there. But oh, it's okay. not like the Vatican Secret Archives, which are not, I don't know how to say it, like they're not full of like mysterious secrets and stuff right. necessarily. Um, it's that they are not public knowledge. They're not open to the public. Yeah. And, but a lot of it's really mundane. Yeah, you're not cracking the Da Vinci code yeah, over here exactly. and, and doing those types so of things. So like when you say a secret prayer, it's just a prayer that you say quietly that no one else hears. It doesn't mean like a, a prayer that no one else can know about. Right. Um, and so the prayer here uh, is by the mystery of this water and wine, as you put the drop of water into the wine, by the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Um, so the water symbolizes humanity and the wine symbolizes divinity. And the water and wine together symbolize God himself taking on our humanity by becoming incarnate in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's actually really profound. Um, like that's the mystery of our salvation. Yeah. Um, is, is God taking on all that we have. Right. Um, what do they call it? The, uh, exchange of shoot. My patristics professor, professor would be ashamed of me right now. Mm. It's the commercium shoot. I'll think of that next time. Um, yeah, there's, there's a really important patristic, formulation of that like that when that god takes on what we have right um so that we can receive what god is right and that's that's the mystery that's that's symbolized here already as you're preparing the gifts like we're not even you know into the eucharistic prayer yet so you say these prayers over the of the of the gifts and if you're singing then the priest says them quietly right secretly secretly um and if you're not singing, uh, he has the option to say them out loud. It's actually always an optional thing. He could always say them quietly, um, but most of the time you'll hear him said out loud if there's no singing. Um, and so holding up the paten with the bread, 
He says, Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. That's the response. Very good. And then there's a, a similar prayer. <laughs> I feel like this is a test for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a similar prayer that you say when you're holding up the chalice. Those are called the berchot, which just means blessings in Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, it's a Hebrew word. It's love um, it. I love it. Those prayers are straight from uh, sort of like Jewish liturgy and tradition. Mm. It's a really interesting thing. Baruch Eloheinu melech haolam lechem min haaretz. Amen. Like that's blessed are you. Lord God of all creation, wait, I said again, Baruch Atah Adonai Melech HaOlam, Blessed are you, King of all creation, Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz, the one who brings out bread from the earth. Mm. Um, so I did. A, I don't know if I've talked about this on the air. I got I got a chance um, for one summer. Well, I got a chance to live in Israel for seven months. Right. And that was as a study abroad from Rome. So it's a study abroad from a study abroad through the Biblicum, lived over there. Some people got, get all <laughs> the things. He has been given much more. <laughs> so, um, and while I was there, I got a chance to not only like study at Hebrew University of Jerusalem and learn a lot of really cool, go to yeah. like really cool classes. Um but I got to learn modern Hebrew and I loved it because I'd done so much ancient Hebrew and now it's like you can speak it and it's similar but different and it's just, it was my favorite language I've ever right. done. And I got a chance the next summer um, to go to Middlebury uh, College or University in Vermont um, and do their language program there in modern Hebrew. And so it was a seven-week immersion into modern Hebrew in Vermont, which is a weird place to do it. Yeah. But their language programs are really excellent. And I learned, like I got so competent at modern Hebrew there and I've lost a lot of it since then. It was several years ago, but while I was there, I celebrated mass in modern Hebrew every day. Mm. Like there was actually permission before. So this is like Vatican two time, right? In the 1960s. So this is before the, um, the ordinary form, what we know is the ordinary form, the Novus Ordo, the sort of newer form of the liturgy that we're so right. familiar with now, as opposed to the extraordinary form. Like that was before that had been created. It was when they were sort of calling for the the revision of the liturgy along right. these lines. Um, during that period, uh, Israel or Catholics in Israel, there are some, um, petitioned for permission to translate the mass into Hebrew. All Mass was in Latin up to that point. Mm -hmm. And they did so on the grounds that Hebrew is one of the three uh, lingua sacra, the sacred languages, uh, right. Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, like you see in the, the threefold inscription above Christ on the, on the cross, um, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. So they successfully made that petition. The Vatican allowed them to translate the Mass from Latin into Hebrew, like the first sort of vernacular Mass at least in, in the Roman Catholic Church right? in sort of the modern era. Mm -hmm. And um, so I got it. I got a chance to go to several of those liturgies while I was in Israel. And then when I was at Middlebury, they allowed us, they were sensitive to sort of religious freedom and importance like that of being able to worship. Like you, you made a pledge when you were there not to use any language but your target language. So I could only use modern Hebrew for listening, for speaking, for reading, 
except when I was worshiping. So I was allowed to mm. to say mass in whatever language I wanted. Right. But because I had the booklet had the from option. Israel, yeah. and I knew that this was a thing, I celebrated mass in Hebrew every day for seven weeks. And just like, yourself, or uh, no? For I people. had one faithful <laughs> uh, parishioner um, who was also in the program. Um, the only other Catholic in the program, but but like at the offertory, it was so interesting because like you just straight up said the Jewish berachot, which you would normally say like as meal blessings in Judaism, depending on what kind of food you're eating. Yeah. You also say those uh, at like Motzei Shabbat, like when the Sabbath is ending um, and they bring out these different like spices and elements and stuff. You're supposed to like waken yourself back to the world from this Sabbath rest. Right. Uh, It's a really cool thing. But like those prayers are the ones that we say at mass. And that was intentional. That was actually a revision in the new liturgy. Um, like the the extraordinary form uses very different uh, prayers of offering at this point. Yeah. Um, and so they brought in the better quote, um, which is a uh, an interesting thing. So right after that, the priest washes his hands. He says another secret prayer there, mm-hmm. with humble spirit and contrite heart. May we be accepted by you, O Lord, and may our sacrifice in your sight this day. Be pleasing to you, Lord God. Wash me, O Lord, from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. That's when he's washing his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, everyone stands when he does it. He says, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours, remember that, right, we've been sitting, preparing yeah. ourselves to offer the sacrifice, my sacrifice and yours, may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. People stand up and the they say. sacrifice at your hands. The praise and glory of his name for our good and good of all his holy church. Boom. And then the priest will say the prayer over the gifts, which used to be called the secret. <laughs> because and people wonder why. Silently. <laughs> and that you would never chant it. You would always say it silently. Right. Um, and I feel like that's all we have time for. Right? So let's just get to the holy holy. Okay. So right after he says the prayer over the gifts. Yeah. Uh, then you'll have the preface dialogue. The Lord be with you and with, and your, with your spirit. Yeah. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. Boom. And then the priest will go, it is right and just, our duty and our salvation. And like, you know, of course he's going to chant it. Yeah. And there will be something called the preface. You know, it's, yeah. what is it the preface to? The Eucharistic prayer. Right. Um, Even though all this is the liturgy of the Eucharist. Though. Yeah. This is the beginning of the liturgy of the Eucharist. Everything right. we've talked about today. Yeah. But this is taking a lot of those sort of theological themes from the season and from the readings and stuff and summing them up into this this sort of like bit of poetry almost, right. like theologically dense poetry, and using that as a springboard to go into the um, Eucharistic prayer. Um one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, <laughs> all the ones for children and right. for special use and stuff that are never used which is fine but right um and so right after the preface you have the holy 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 which is an incredible prayer something that deserves a lot more time than we can give it we'll, we'll start it comes from isaiah we'll start with it next time that hebrew stuff going on <laughs> you know yeah definitely uh being able to do that so i can go home and tell my wife we didn't even make it to the holy holy today <laughs> but that was good stuff uh I, you know, it, all this is so that people 
can come to know and love our Lord more and experience him even more in the liturgy. So uh, we hope you find it beneficial. On behalf of Joey Scansella, Father Paul Bechter, say take care. God bless.